Eagles Entertainment. With the 25th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Welcome back to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and we've got a loaded show today as college football is in full swing. We've got first Saturday scouting where I catch up with my friend Ben Fennel to talk about the game that he was at this week out in the Big Ten, preview a big ACC matchup here this coming Saturday as well as some other little matchups to watch in this weekend's action. Next up, after that, I catch up with Tony Pauline with our Draft Buzz segment. Get a little bit of the stuff that's coming through the grapevine here around the country. Touch on uh, some big matchups as well this week with one Tony Pauline, and then I follow that up with my scouting report on a player that's really underrated right now, especially in this senior class, and that's Arizona State wide receiver Brandon Ayuk has really caught my eye here this fall with his play uh, out west in the desert. Before that, though, let's get into Saturday Scouting here with Ben Fennel. It's time for Saturday Scouting. Well, welcome back to another edition here of Saturday Scouting. As always, I'm joined by the man to my left, Ben Fennel. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. Ben, uh, welcome to what is this now? Week was this week five? Yeah, we're heading, heading into week five. Yeah, I mean, we're that's like next week's like the halfway point of the regular season. It's scary. It's about to be October already. That's uh, wild. I remember sitting at home. It's like late July. Just got done golfing. All I'm doing is excited to watch college football. Watch some new tape in the NFL. Now we're in the thick of it, and it's like it was just summer last week, and now we're already almost in midseason mode. Overall, I mean, you there's probably been and look, all college football is great. There's probably been like 10, 15 games like all season long that have been like, oh man, like this is a great game. You've had like four of them. Yeah, this uh, week this week wasn't as exciting considering no. the trend our crew had been on with yes. the comeback in Boise State, double OT in Tennessee, single OT at BYU last week, and then kind of a uh, Big Ten. The Nooners this week were, were, were yeah, tough. Yeah, it was a bunch of blowouts. Yeah. So we had Michigan State, Northwestern, yep. out in Chicago. Michigan State won pretty convincingly, yes, 31-10. Classic Big Ten game. It was a little slow for about three quarters, yeah. and Michigan State pulled away. All right, so give us the game ball here. Who uh, Who was the biggest takeaway for you? Uh, who earned it coming we in? we got to go with Joe Bocci, linebacker, senior from Michigan State. Okay. He had 14 tackles, 13 solo. He pretty good. Sacked. 13 uh, solo? Yeah. That's pretty uh, good. Two TFLs, two PBUs, had a pick. Just loading up the stat sheet. Just yeah. a senior player that doesn't come off the field. It's actually interesting. D'Antoni pulled the starters off, then sent them back on two drives later. Late? Yeah, I'm not mm. sure if he just was unhappy with the backups or he saw Northwestern still pushing down the field. I know they had called some timeouts late and things like that. So um, it was interesting to see him come off and back on, but absolutely loaded up the stat sheet. So has your opinion changed of Bocce, go, what you thought of going in? Much more range than I thought he would have as a okay. tackler. Made a bunch of nice plays in the alley, out on the perimeter, near the numbers. Great run plugger, loves the blitz as well. He's definitely a downhill and a lateral type of linebacker. I question if he could turn and run. His pass coverage abilities, mm. it's really just zone dropping. He's not turning and running down the seam with tight ends or anything like that. But prototypical Big Ten linebacker tackling machine. Reminds me a little bit of Mike Hole out of okay. uh, Penn State a couple years ago. played a couple years in the league. That yeah. carved out a role with the Dolphins. Yeah, and sure. it's going to be one of these guys that I don't think he's a draftable player. He's going to get to somebody's camp and make it impossible to cut him. Interesting. He's a senior player. He's experienced. He's a leader. Tackling machine. Tough kid. Might have some athletic limitations once we get into off-season mm. modes and we're going to start looking at his 40s and lengths and things like that. Um, but just a uh, really well-rounded football player. What did uh, the quarterback from Michigan State, Brian Lewerke, look like? Classic Lewerke game. 
and he's as streaky and inconsistent as can be, and mm-hmm. he hits the entire ends of each spectrum, where he'll miss some throws that are wide open, boneheaded, throwing at somebody's shoes, like he had a great call on a running back screen. It was about to go for 30 or 40 yards. It was against the blitz. He just yeah. rushed the throw, threw it right at his feet, and he banged his helmet after the play. Mm. And that's just what Lorky does. He'll have some plays that will flash and look really good, and then inconsistent with accuracy and decision-making down in the red zone or plays like that where it's just a boneheaded play mm. from a senior quarterback, that's just not what I want to see from a kid yeah. like that. You know, I want him to make the easy plays. Let's see if you can flash some exciting throws down in the red zone and on third down and just leaves a little bit to be desired, but still through for 300 yards, three touchdowns. He's a tough kid. Yep. He'll hang in the pocket. He'll take some hits. Had a nice touchdown in the second half where he climbed up off some high side rushes, kept his eyes up, hit a tight end down the seam. So he flashes some nice tools. Just the inconsistency and the lack of down-to-down. Um, Consistency. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, just he, is, you know, huh? he, he flashes, he gets you excited, and then just kind of knocks you back down to earth with the next two plays, and you don't really know where to evaluate a kid like that. You uh, you mentioned like the banging the helmet after the negative play. Well, you, you, when you're watching film together, you always point out the guy that uh, you know might hand clap after. Yeah. You're like, all right, that's the guy who messed up. The the helmet smack is like that to, to the next that, level. Typically, you could put that one on the quarterback. Yes. Yeah, the guy when the quarterback after the play hits his own helmet. It's typically his fault. Yeah, no question. All right, uh, let's go to your one play takeaway. What one play are you walking away from this game thinking, all right, like this is the guy, the one I'm always going to remember? So we highlighted a moment ago Joe Bocci loading up the stat sheet, had an interception. Okay. Doesn't do a whole lot in pass coverage. It was actually because there was tons of pressure on the quarterback for that pick by Raekwon Williams and Kenny Willekes. Raekwon Williams, I think, beat the guard with a nice arm over move. Willekes was whooping the tackle on the other side. Both got to the quarterback early, nailed the quarterback, ball went up in the air, and it's just a gimme interception for Joe Bocci. That type of guy for Bocci in the right place at the right times. But also speaking to just Kenny Willekes, I think he's a guy that impacts the game more than his stats would speak to. And he gets a lot. The stats of hur- been good this year. So that's, he gets that's a lot, lot of hurries, gets a lot of pressures. He has some sack totals yeah. as well, but I think his impact is much greater. He's a guy that does not come off the field. He's a good run defender, not a flashy pass rusher, but a guy that will slowly collapse the pocket, and you know he's coming if he gets an extra mm. counter two, or they want to work the ball down the field. Very, very tough to stop in his tracks. So, like, this is my question now. When it comes to guys like that, and I, you know, I think back to like. Chase Winovich last year at Michigan, right? So Chase Winovich, you watched at Michigan, you say, okay, this is this is what his strengths are, this is what his weaknesses are. There are some physical limitations, but try hard guy, relentless, is always going to give you maximum effort, can defend the run. Going to the NFL, can he do that? I thought he could. The Patriots clearly think he did, and he has been doing it uh, for them through four weeks. Do you think Wilkes is that, or? Does he not? Is he not physically gifted enough, and he's going to be more of a back end roster type guy? See, I put these types of players into two categories. If you're in a huge upside pass rusher, yep. you may be a situational pass rusher at the next level because you have an elite pass rush ability. Yes. There's also a good uh, handful of defensive line coaches that say if you can't play the run, you can't play for me. Right. And he's going to be loved by those coaches. That first and foremost, he does not a liability on early downs which means you're not coming off the field, which means you have the opportunity that much more to get the sack totals, to get after the quarterback on early downs just because you're on the field, as opposed to these guys that only play on third down. So I think he gives up a little bit with his pass rush upside, but the fact he's an every-down player I think will make him coveted by NFL uh, defensive line coaches. Yeah, I guess that'll be the question, is if if he is viewed as a guy who can be a three-down player – 
then you're saying, okay, you're you're probably talking day two conversation. Right. If he's not, a, if you say athletically, like I just can't have this guy out there all three downs, he's not going to be able to hold up. Then now you're saying, all right, well now what are we talking about? We're talking about a fourth or fifth. Defense and that's event. funny that you mentioned Chase Winovich, New England Patriots, because I think a great comp right now for Kenny Willikis is Rob Ninkovich. Okay. Yep. Who doesn't have the sexy pass rush upside? Sure. But just a solid, sturdy football player. You never had to worry about him not knowing his assignment, his responsibility. Guy that didn't have to come off the field. But was Rob Ninkovich a sexy player? No. Did right. he have tons of length? No. Was he an explosive player? Not really. Right. But just a tough player that you didn't ever have to worry about him not doing his job. All right. Well, let's talk about another guy that uh, you had mentioned from that play was Raekwon Williams, a player you and I have both studied. We watched him together, actually, uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, he was your off-the-bus guy, the guy most impressive from a physical standpoint. Yeah, I'm uh, close with their defensive line coach, Ron Burton, so I was hanging out with him in warm-ups and watching him take his guy through uh, – some uh, pregame uh, drills and things like that. And Raekwon Williams, he's listed at 330. Mm. But Coach Burton told me he's closer to 300 pounds. And you see it on the film. He's much faster this year, getting off the ball, a lot of quickness moves at the point of attack, a couple arm over moves, some swim moves, getting into backfields. And he is just a very good-looking player. He's built uh, very strong in the lower half, very muscular. He's not really a fat guy, but he's big, he's broad, he's long. And he's a very intense player. In pregame warm-ups, it looked like he was ready to go and uh, was up to the challenge on the road at Northwestern. Guy just He's a Chicago guy. Yeah, so he's and going uh, home. Yep. Yep, he's got some good stories off the oh, field yeah, as no well. Question. Apparently he's yep. a great kid. And everybody on this defensive line from Ron Burton, over the past couple of years, they're a very disciplined group. Mm. They play the run extremely well. They all play with great pad level, great eye level. They all come firing off the ball. Great technique with uh, sinking their hips and locking out. Good hand usage inside. So all these kids are pretty uh, disciplined players up front. All right, well, let's uh, let's go to the down-the-road freak show, a player that, you know, maybe not eligible for this year's draft, but overall i uh, got to keep an eye on for down the road. Yeah, normally we, we will talk about a kid who's not eligible, a true okay. freshman or someone maybe hasn't seen the field yet. But Michigan State has a corner. He's a junior. Josiah Scott, he's 5'10", 180, was a freshman All-American in 2017, okay. missed almost all of last year with an injury. One of the first players to start at corner for as a freshman under Mark D'Antoni. Okay. So he had some juice coming out of high school there, got on the field right away, missed most of last year. He had a pick yesterday, forced another pick, chasing a receiver on a little slip screen, popped mm. the ball up, almost had another pick down in the corner in the end zone. Kid with good ball skills, can click and close. He's got the long speed. He's feisty at the catch point. H- highly touted recruit that missed a lot of last year, was a freshman All-American, so... Uh, someone who I think, when he's on the field, has really shown he's got some ability. Uh, so, a guy I have not studied yet, but uh, certainly will take your word for it. Let me ask you one follow-up on Raekwon Williams. Mm-hmm. After seeing him in person, you think he's more of a three or a one in terms of uh, position? Three technique or a one technique? I think he's a three tech at this okay. point. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That's because the, <clears throat> the, the the quickness, the improved quickness, the change in his body type and everything like that? Yeah, I like the speed, the change of direction, the balance. And he plays next to a guy that's every bit of 330. Mm. So it looked like they had the right complement of players there. The heavier 330 the one tech he slides out a little bit more in space as a three tech against some guards mm. um, but I'd like him at three tech in the next level got it so alright let me go through, uh, some, through some of my categories here um, so my game ball I watched there were two games that I like watched very intently this week Friday night USC versus Utah Saturday night uh, Notre Dame and Georgia the two two of the biggest games mm-hmm. I would say from the weekend took took a peek here and there at some of the other ones I mentioned I watched some of the noon games I was bouncing around there I watched your game for a little bit um, but those are the two games that I was highly focused on at least for this segment uh, Michael Pittman uh, from USC we talked about him last week actually the week before because you had mm-hmm. gotten eyes on USC <clears throat> up close against BYU 
look, whenever Utah or whenever USC needed a big play against Utah, and they needed it because you know they got out to an early lead, Utah kind of climbed back, then uh, USC pulled ahead. They went to Michael Pittman, and they, you know Matt Fink uh, stepped in at quarterback. Heaton Slovis, the true freshman, went out with an injury on the opening drive. So Matt Fink steps in. He needed a big play. He was tossing it up to his guy on the left sideline. I didn't even realize what the stats were until I was preparing for the show. He finished with 10 for 232 in a tutty. Like, wow. this guy mm-hmm. was a big-time playmaker for them in this game. Uh, the numbers were outstanding. It's just it's more of what we've seen from Pittman. You know, you and I both studied him from last season in 2018. The quarterbacks just, you know, JT Daniels, they drop back, throw it up to him, let him go make a play. And and that's what he was in this game. Yeah, he's a good receiver. I mean, he's a really good-looking kid, knows how to use his body to win, adjust the balls, whether it's high-pointing, back-shoulder tracking. I just don't know where that skill set works at the next level. I think he may work his way into a roster with his special team ability, with just being a good football player and as a fifth, sixth receiver in a receiver room. I don't know if he has the athletic upside or the ability to separate like we would want most of our kind of upside receivers heading to the NFL, but yep. a guy that obviously uh, can handle himself at the catch point. Yeah, and there's a bunch of those guys in this class, particularly in the senior class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, and I, I think I like mm-hmm. Pittman more. I like him more than Colin Johnson out of Texas. I like him more than Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Um, you know, but I kind of group all those guys together and say, all right, like, you know, I, I almost want to see how they test is that athletic upside there? We're just not quite seeing it on the film, or is my eyes tricked me a little bit? Because uh, I have those same questions about. Uh, I think we're both guys. going through a little bit of a, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a bit of a midlife crisis here with these larger <laughs> receivers. And I know we're each kind of at this point where we need to have a big kumbaya about what does it mean to be six four, two twenty in the college game versus the NFL game, and what do you need to be successful at that size in the NFL game because. The, the bodies are piling up here with guys that had great college careers, productive, tested well, good on the field, off the field, and weren't able to produce at the NFL level. Unless you're a freak show. Like, I'm talking like the Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green, Mike like those Evans big bodies. Mike yeah. Evans, like you're a big body who runs 4-4 and can get in, out of, in and out of cut. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to put some work into that uh, in the future. I'll just say that. Because I thought Hakeem months. Butler last year checked all the boxes. Right. And everyone was just waiting for that next box to not get checked. Oh, he's going to go to the combine. He's not going to run fast. And he runs 4-4. Four, four, and right. it's like, oh, well, well, what about those drops that he had? And it's like, well, he also had some really nice acrobatic catches did, at the yes. catch point. And then next thing you know, he's in the fourth round. And I thought that was a guy that checked every box you wanted out of a 6'5", 220 receiver. Yep. And he was a fourth-round pick in the NFL, and I just need to really reevaluate how we're looking at these players. All right, well, let's uh, get move on here. My one play takeaway, uh, a play I believe you <clears> saw, uh, Georgia safety J.R. Reed, who I haven't studied yet. Have you studied any of these No, safeties? he's been on my list for a couple of years. Through the other safety, um, uh, what's the other case? Richard LeCount? Yeah, LeCount. Yeah. Dude, came he's down and yeah. smacked he somebody over the yep. Oh, my gosh. He was but, a highly touted high school recruit, uh, too. Dude, yeah. he got somebody really good in this game. Uh, but J.R. Reed had a great interception. It was fourth quarter. Um, he wasn't a single high mm-hmm. player. I believe it seemed like, and they didn't have a ton of really big replays on it, it seemed like he was either playing as some kind of middle zone or even as a robber uh, in the intermediate area. Mm. But middle of the field, between the hashes, got outside the numbers and made, I believe it was a diving interception, showed the instincts, showed the range and the ball skills to finish. I thought that a was a big-time play. I think he is a senior. Because yeah. when they were in the national championship game two years ago, he right. had a great game against Oklahoma, a pretty good game against Alabama, right. where I thought, man, this guy's coming out as a junior next right. year. And then was a little bit flat last year. I don't think lived up to the expectations. Interested to see how he's uh, 
reacting as a senior now. Yeah, I haven't studied him, and I haven't studied LeCount yet. Uh, I will be soon. I think LeCount's a year younger. Yes, but, uh, correct. Definitely a prospect to watch. Uh, I almost threw in one other play from that game. Jake Fromm on third and long. I actually tweeted about this play. Um, it was third and ten, I believe, and he went for nine, a nine-yard run, which isn't a big of a deal. Mm. The toughness on that on that run, going you know in a clutch situation, bringing them just shy of the line of score, the uh, the first down marker. You know that's a play that scouts or coaches, you know whoever personnel guys in January and or in March when they're having those final meetings, say like we're talking about this kid's toughness. Like he's got a lot of other things, a lot of a lot of other pelts on the mantle to say like oh this is how tough this kid is. That's a play where you're like, man, this kid's like, he's got it. Like, he's got like that. I'm excited to dig into Fromm, too. Me, too. He's going to be a guy that's been on the field as a true freshman. We're going to poke and prod and look for everything wrong with this kid. One of these kids, I think, are going to be in the classic over-evaluated. Just because he's not been on the field since day one, doesn't wow you with anything. But don't overthink this kid. Jake Fromm's a good player. He beat out two five-star recruits and sent them packing. No question. Like. I, 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 without having donated, like the the image of Jake Fromm, I'm a, I'm a fan. Also of. got a good perspective of him with the uh, QB One show on Netflix. Seems yeah. like a great kid off the field, Which good family and everything. Yet. Like this kid looks like he was made in a quarterback petri dish. You, you we should make like an all petri dish team because you bring that that saying up like once a week. Someone's making these guys in a lab somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where it is. I'm gonna track it down. But yeah, my all petri dish team. That's, uh, that's well, coming. Well, speaking of petri dish, Leaky uh, Lakey Fotu, yeah. the, dude, he mm. had like this crazy like explode into the backfield. This is the nose tackle from Utah uh, against USC, like, exploded in the backfield. This kid is, like, 6'5", what's he, 335, 340. Maybe, he Flies yeah. into the backfield. TFL, forced fumble. Utes needed it. It was a close game, uh, and he helped, like, get momentum back on their side. Utah ended up losing the game, but right. uh, crazy play by a guy that's, uh, that I would put in that role. I usually don't bring a uh, down-the-road freak show, but I'm bringing a down-the-road freak show this week. Okay. It's a player that you saw last week. Drake Jackson, the defensive tackle from USC, number gotcha. 99. Yep. Dude, this guy was all over the field in that Utah, especially the first half. Make chasing plays down the line of scrimmage, making plays down the field, behind the line, TFLs, pressures on the quarterback. He was really, really impressive. I think he had an impressive play called back. I don't know if he got called for a flag or somebody else did. I remember noting a play that didn't He count. slammed somebody down. That's what it was, yes. yeah. Yeah, that was, that was probably that one. Yeah. Uh, the, That's get, right, he did. He picked somebody he up picked and somebody straight up dropped and, yeah, him. Yeah, and dogplexed him. Um, Devin Brumfield, the sophomore running back for Utah, got in there and, and flashed a little bit. Zach Moss, who's a senior, I really like Zach Moss. I believe he was on my top 25 senior list yep, that we did yeah. uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, he got hurt in the game, so Brumfield steps in, true sophomore. Actually flashed a little bit, athletic, uh, explosive, violent runner. Uh, liked what I saw from that kid. Uh, all right, let's get to your game this week because a uh, few interesting matchups, and you've got a really good one. You've got Clemson versus North Carolina. Where is that in uh, Chapel Hill? Yep, down in Chapel Hill. Nice, okay. North Carolina starting hot, beating South Carolina week one. Yep. And then last week, taking a uh, tough one, losing to App State there. Yes. But App State's a good program. It they're, is. They're really coming a long way. Yep. Uh, so there's a ton of players, obviously, for <clears> Clemson. <throat> and we're going we're gonna to try and find focus it because, look, Trevor Lawrence, not eligible. Justin Ross, not eligible. We will probably won't talk too much about T. Higgins. I, I'm sure you'll have your thoughts on it after seeing those guys live and in person. But um, I want to ask you first about Travis Etienne, uh, a guy that you and I have both watched. Uh, he's been a th- <laughs> I think this is now his third year as a <clears throat> starter there for Clemson. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on ETN coming into this game? Well, we know what he is. He's an undersized track star, speed demon, looks to bounce runs prematurely, takes away angles like nobody's business, gets in the open field, very creative runner, good contact balance, things like that. Just want to see him used a little bit more creatively in the pass game. Mm. Not sure he's caught anything in his career outside of a swing or a screen. Um, 
So I just want to see how he reacts on maybe an angle route in traffic, yep. or can he get down the field and run some more uh, wide receiver conventional routes? Physically, he's, I think he's got the ability to do it. It's just like, can he do it? Right. And then what's his ability between the tackles? You know, he's a guy that obviously wants to get to daylight. That's what he does well is run. Mm. So you want to get to those open spaces and, and use your speed. But where does that skill set factor in, in the NFL? Is he a perimeter player at the NFL game, being more of a gadgety receiver, or is he a guy that? Can you know, total workload in the backfield. I'm not sure he's ever had a game over 20 carries. Mm. So I just want to know, can he be that alpha dog for an NFL team? Uh, I'm a big fan of ETN. I think he's got a lot of juice, obviously. We know about the speed. You talked about the ability to erase angles. But then also, uh, you know, the, his contact balance and his violence as a finisher, I think, is a little bit undersold. Uh, I do think that there are times where he looks a little bit hesitant approaching the line of scrimmage, trying to pick his way through. Um, but we've seen guys like that in the past that have had some, some success if you've got the speed and the balance to be able to, to, uh, to shake that off. Very inconsistent pass protector as well. Yeah. But I don't necessarily make that a detriment because he's a guy at the next level level i'm not having this guy pass protect i'm making you guard this guy <laughs> right, he's a yeah. scat back right. through and through and he's going to be a problem in the pass game yep. just need to figure out how exactly are we using him in the pass game so the guy's blocking for him it's an interesting because it's a senior laden offensive line group uh you know they've got a couple underclassmen i believe the left tackles an underclassman right he's a mm-hmm, sophomore. sophomore yep um but the left guard, John Simpson, it seems to be the highest rated, I would say, consensus by most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not agree. But the left guard, Simpson, it seems to be the guy. The cent- They've got the center. Uh, is that Pollard? Sean now he Pollard, moved. Yep. So he's full-time at center. He kind of bounced between there and right guard last year. Tremaine Ankrum, the right tackle, I want to take it like a stamp and like – that's like this is like my guy. Like no one's talking about mm-hmm. Tremaine. Not on the Senior Bowl watch list. Not being talked about as like oh like he's this great offensive. Line. To me, like watching him last year and watching him this year, he's their best offensive lineman. And he's like he's not like sexy and that he's like big and powerful or like this like freak show athlete. He doesn't look like a tackle. Is he the just problem. gets it all done. Like he gets it done every week. So everybody, I've been talking with some of my buddies the past couple of weeks on why does Clemson offense seem so off right now? Mm. It just seems a little bit off. Is it Trevor Lawrence? Is it you know the the chemistry with some of the weapons out there. You look at the four senior offensive linemen out of the five, they're a veteran group, but I think this is a pretty average group. Mm. And after watching two games, watching the Texas A&M game, there was a lot of problems up front. And it sent Lawrence kind of outside the pocket and some running schemes that were completely yep. blown up, some missed assignments. Uh, the right guard, Gage Cervenka, is a grad yep. senior. That's right. He's who right guard, yeah. has been splitting time with the younger guy. Um, so I think they're still working on some stuff. Cervenka's the one, the uh, high school wrestling list, stud. Yeah, yep, four-time heavyweight state champion, South Carolina, 199-1 and one in his high school career. Yep. Freak lister, uh, 43 reps of 225. But Ankrum's the best-looking player at right tackle, but he doesn't look like a tackle. He's in that— He's like 6'2 and change. He's in that Charles Leno, 6'3, Marshall Newhouse, 6'3 type of body. So he doesn't look like a tackle, but this guy is the best offensive lineman and has given me no reason to think he can't play tackle at the next level. I saw When I saw the measurables when I went to go study him in, I think it was like July, I said, all right, he's playing tackle, but he's going to be a guard. And then I watched one game, and I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe. And then I watched another one and another one. I'm like, no, like this guy's a tackle. Yeah, he's he can play tackle. He's proven it that he can play tackle. He's got the play strength. He's got the speed, kind of in space. He can run the arc against speed rushers. He's giving me no reason to think, oh, he's a liability. He yep. doesn't have the length. He doesn't have the speed. Let's phone booth him in there at guard. He's really giving me no reason to think that, other than him being on paper listed at six three three twelve. And it's right. like, oh. It's a little shorter than I like my tackles, yep. but watch the tape first and figure out if there's a problem on tape, then evaluate the height and the length and the measurables. He's one of my favorite tackles I've studied this year. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, all right, well, let's talk about a guy that 
he will be facing this week, and that's uh, a defensive <clears throat> tackle in Jason Strobridge, uh, a senior who, to me, is probably one of the more underrated players in the country. I don't think a lot – no one's really talking about Jason Strobridge. Yeah, I haven't heard a whole lot. So he's a highly touted recruit out of Deerfield Beach High School in Florida. Big-time high school. Yeah, it's powerhouse. Jerry Judy was there the next year. Jason Pierre-Paul's been there. Denard Robinson. Uh, he had eight tackles for loss last year, five sacks. Was questionable heading into last week. Was in and out of the right. lineup against App State. And he's a probable for this week. So I hope he can go. Yep. Also hope he's healthy and just moving forward. Um, but this guy's got a long frame, long arms. He's not a fat guy, even though he's a trench player. Yep. He's he got a slim waist. He's really well built, lower half. He does these slanting bull rushes. So a lot of times, right off the snap, he's moving and then just blowing up offensive linemen with his power. Uh, so it's a little bit of movement and a little bit of power kind of mixed in. Yep. And that's really uh, how he makes his money. He's got really good range as a three tech to make plays up and down the line of scrimmage. That good initial quickness we were talking about. And then you know he's got some juice with the way they use him in pressure packages. Right, yep. They'll stand him up off the edge. I've seen him standing in the A-gap a couple plays this, this year. year yeah. um, it's got great balance, a change of direction. He's great at slipping off of blocks. Yes. Where he's just belly-to-belly -belly with people, and then all of a sudden he gets past them. And I have no real coaching point or technique or trait other than just writing. He gets off blocks. He yep. slips off blocks. He's stacking sheds blocks. He push poles blocks. And guys that will beat a player right in front of you, yep. I love those players that you're not just looking to run around them. It's got very violent, urgent movement patterns. No question. Like, everything's no question. just, like, freaking quick. Yeah. Now, the cons on the other side, his pad level. Some of these tall, upright guys in the trenches tend to pop up, especially yep. ones that move and slant. So immediately your first step isn't forward. Your stance is up and out type yep. of deal. Uh, but that stuff can be coached. I would like his lower half to be a little bit more filled out. I wonder about his size and his weight. Like, exactly. I'll be interested to see what you think of him when you see him in person. Yep, he's got a couple block kicks here and there. Two weeks ago against Miami, had a blocked extra point. Yep. Blocked an extra point against Miami the year before. Uh, interesting guy off the field. Actually owns a python and a boa constrictor. Oh, well, um, and I mean, some names, former teammate Matt Collins. Uh, some names I've written down that. here. So Quentin Jefferson out of Maryland a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, Malik McDowell out of Michigan State. Great kind player. of that athletic, explosive guy in the trenches there. Yep. Robert Kimdiche is probably a little more rocked up yep. uh, than Strobridge is. How about Rasheem Green at USC a couple years ago? Okay, I could see that. That was really an edge player playing three-tech. But yep. he's winning in that same type of way, and I think he's going to be viewed that way at the next level. He might be a three-tech that can also kick out and play some edge for you, yeah. uh, whether that's in base or in some pressure packages. Well, that's the thing is that like if he is – you know, people had this conversation last year with Ed Oliver, like, oh, well, is, is he actually 270? Like, is he 265? Or is he 285, <clears throat> 288, 290? Okay, now we can kind of reconcile him being inside. I think you're going to have that same discussion in February or hopefully January at the Senior Bowl uh, with Strobridge. Is like, all right, what is the weight? <laughs> what does the body type actually look like? Now what do we do with him? Because a lot of those guys you mentioned, Rasheem Green, is he a tackle or is, is he an edge guy? Uh, Quentin Jefferson, I remember him coming out of Maryland. Mm -hmm. Is he a tackle? Is he an edge guy? Like you have to kind of figure out. So what he's listed on the team bio site as 6'5", 285. Right. The verified uh, right. height and weight in the summer is 6'4", 261. Yeah, so that's what I'll so be So 24 pounds lighter yep. uh, than his listed weight. So you could definitely see those movement skills. Yep. I don't think this is a player we're, we're considering to move to off-ball linebacker. No, like, like no. Ed Oliver. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but definitely a player with some more athletic upside than maybe he you would assume just looking at him. And they've got a couple other guys in that D-line that you're uh, excited about as well. Yeah, they have another player. He just kept flashing when I was trying to watch Strowbridge. This guy, 92. He's a nose tackle kind of run plugger. Aaron Crawford, he's a grad 
Brad Senior, 6'2", 290. Some really good quick plays off the ball, mm. getting in the backfield, blowing up uh, some blocking schemes. He was injured almost all of last year. Okay. So I'm always interested in those guys that missed the complete season, and all of a sudden they're flashing. And all they need is get back on the field and show you, you know. So they got, you know, a little bit quiet. Their stock is down because they weren't able to play last year. But guys do uh, put on the list and make sure you're not forgetting. Uh, and then uh, Toman Fox. Yeah, Toman Fox. He's leading the team in sacks right now. And I thought he was going to be a kind of a juicy edge player like a uh, Malik Carney uh, two years ago. Okay, yeah. Or was that last year? He was last year. Yeah, I know. Everything uh, but he's more of a thicker, stout edge player. He's 6'3". Uh, two sticks. He I showed you a play yesterday where he really kind of dipped and turned the corner. Yeah, he so saw a little bit of the I want to see if he yep. can get after the sophomore a little bit. Interesting. All right. Well, they've got one <clears> guy on the back end that a lot of people are very aware of, and that's Miles Dorn, senior safety. Uh, how do you kind of view him going into this matchup? Yeah, he's the team's leading tackler right now. He'll do some special teams. He's that free safety kind of back end player that will come down and be the last guy into the box mm. as well. A guard, you know, number two and three, three out there at times. He was given a second-round grade after his sophomore season. And then his junior year just really didn't live up to the bill. We thought he was going to be that MJ Stewart player, and he really wasn't as exciting or explosive. Yeah. And then this year, that same kind of deal where, you know, he's making a lot of tackles, but he goes quiet for times, and he's a drag-down tackler. He chases the ball from, you know, point A to point B, but it's not very explosive. He doesn't really fly around the field. Um, a lot of those plays, he takes a brunt of the contact. He's a good overall athlete uh, for man and zone coverage, blitzing, but just I don't know if he has enough to really be a contributor. At the yeah, next level. I think there's some, I think there's something missing there. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get to keeping <clears throat> the safety discussion going uh, about a player who, look, I have not studied Isaiah Simmons, the the linebacker safety hybrid for Clemson. Uh, you and I online offline have had uh, uh, some long discussions about just this role. This player, because I haven't again, I haven't studied him. You've taken a peek. Talk about what the mm -hmm. the conundrum that we're kind of faced with a guy like Isaiah Simmons. We need to have the Isaiah Simmons conversation here because what is he at the next level, and what is he being asked to do in Brent Venable's defense at Clemson that's going to translate to the next level? And I think that's what scouts and evaluators really have to decide, and not just get excited with a six four two twenty five freak show athlete. Yep. Nobody on the planet is questioning this kid's athleticism. No. He's going to jump out the building. He's a two-time state long jump champion. He's going to jump 40-plus inches. He's probably going to run 4-4, maybe 4-3. He's going to light up every drill. Yep. So when you look at a player like this, you say, man, there's no way a guy with this athleticism could fail at the next level. And then? But then you start to think about, well, who does he remind you of? Right. And how does Obi Melanfonwu fail at the next level? After testing the way that he did, or for your starter at strong safety, at, or for, or the, Taylor Mays, yeah. you know yep. who this guy is much closer to Taylor Mays. He's six three two thirty. Taylor Mays are in four three one and jump forty one inches. Jeez. He's going to test that same way. Yep. But how did Taylor Mays fail at the next level? So these are guys you get really excited about their athleticism and their upside, but you better have a plan for this kid. And when you look at his tape at Clemson, what is he being asked to do? Is he really asked to guard slot receivers on a down-to-down -down basis like a true nickel? No. He's not making real reads as a half-field safety or a center fielder. He's not an off-the-ball linebacker incorporating to the box and fighting off blocks and things like that. So what skill set am I seeing on the field at Clemson and getting excited about? Yep. Other than him just chasing plays down. Being athletic and Being versatile. that nickel Sam player where typically you're a halfway player, you're part nickel, part Sam linebacker, you're out there in space, so you're not accounted for in the blocking schemes, and you're that last guy in because you're unblocked. 
This is what Darren Lee did at Ohio State, made tons of plays. Yep. This is what Terrell Hanks did at New Mexico State, made tons of plays. But what are they at the next level? And you cannot just look at all these athletic, oversized safeties, undersized linebackers, and say, you're a will linebacker at the next level. That position is not a catch-all for these versatile jack-of-all-trade players. As we've seen with Darren Lee and some of those players trying to make that transition, it's not so easy. It's not the same. No, it's not the same. So you really have to have a plan for this kid and what are you going to ask him to do at the next level. And I see that same package of a Taylor Mays, a Jabril Peppers, where everybody's like, oh, he's got safety skills, but he'll be a linebacker at the next level. Oh, he's too small. Don't look at the linebacker plays at Michigan because he's going to be a nickel at the next level. Well, he's on a second team in three years and still trying to figure out what he does the best and to put him in that situation. Yep. So Isaiah Simmons, great athlete, great football player. What are you going to ask him to do at the next level? I think, and that's where, number one, the off field becomes very, very important because if he's a guy that you you know you talk to and you get a sense of all right, he's going to put all the work in, he's going to do all the right things, and he's going to buy and adapt to a position, a full position change, and be asked to do different things. That gives you a little bit more confidence that he can make a transition. But that's aside the point. I think when you're talking about the players that are like this, you know, we've talked about this mainly with offense, quarterbacks, receivers in college with the with the hash marks, with the wider hash marks. There, there are some different things that you see in college film that you won't see in the NFL. I think with this p- specific position, this overhang, linebacker, safety, it's kind of a, a hybrid player that you don't ne- – that's not a role that's played really in the NFL. So when you have guys that play that role, whether they're being viewed by the NFL as a safety, as a corner, or as a linebacker, there's project- There's a lot of projection involved. So to me, like if I'm watching Isaiah Simmons or if I'm a, an NFL team and I want to evaluate him – I almost like say, all right, give me give me every game. I'm gonna get you know the the scouting assistants in here. Go through every single snap. Take all of his snaps where he's a slot player. Take all of his snaps where he's a high player. Down you know as a one high, two high, whatever. And you have to look at those in vacuum and look at them all in vacuum. Say like, this is what the guy can do. Because I feel like if you watch them all sequentially, you're like, man, like the versatility. Look at his athleticism. Look at this. As opposed to trying to lock in and say, like, this is what a guy can do for our team. It's a, I think it's a huge discussion. Yeah, I posed this question to one of my buddies who you know, was a college football quarterback, NFL quarterback. I said, what would you do with this kid? He said, add 10, 15 pounds and make him an edge rusher. That, like, blows So he's going to be one of the <laughs> yeah. more divisive players. Yeah, right. In similar way that we were talking about Minka Fitzpatrick two years ago. Yep. Is he a corner? Is he a nickel? Is he a safety? He showed us a little bit of all that at Alabama. Right now, I'm going to go on record and say Isaiah Simmons to me is the new age nickel in the NFL. Mm. He's, you want to call him a big safety, go ahead. That big safety package where you get three safeties instead of the extra corner. He's what I want my nickel back to be. I want him to smother small slot receivers. I want him to guard tight ends. But you said that's one thing he does really, really well. He's unblockable in the perimeter. Absolutely. And uh, all that perimeter action, the screens, you're not blocking him with the receiver. I think he's big enough and has the wingspan athleticism to guard some of these move tight ends in the slot or in line tight ends. I think he's going to be a great blitzer with his just speed, athleticism, explosive gear, everything like that, chain of directions, fluid athlete. He's a guy that I just want to kind of near that box. I don't want him in the box. I don't want him having to fight off blocks. But right now, Isaiah Simmons, I want him working out with either the DBs or the safeties at the Combine, not the linebacker group, even though he looks like a linebacker on paper. But I think he's the new age, bigger nickelback in the NFL. Uh, It's a guy that, you know, and to me, like if you're an NFL team, you know, the Eagles are playing the Packers Thursday night. 
I can, in my eye, see him playing in Mike Pettin's scheme as like a high, you know, exactly what you said, like a big nickel player, fit in all those different sub packages, and be asked to do all those different things. Pressure package, drop in zone, man up on a tight end, do all kinds of different things. Yeah, that, that, uh, that projection, that transition, I can see it. There are other schemes, though, where you look at, you know, around the league, you're like, I don't, I don't know what he is for that team. Like, maybe, I guess he's a 4-3 will. I guess he's a strong – like, if he went and played for Gus Bradley, he's Cam Chancellor. Right. Like, okay, I could see that. But, again, a little bit of a projection because he hasn't been asked quite to be that guy all the time. Now, Venable's scheme as well, very creative with their oh, safeties. Oh, awesome. They do And cool we stuff. showed you some tape yesterday where they just have kind of three safeties hanging on the back end of the defense. Like laterally, like and on they, the And line. they deploy from yeah, there. That's and, awesome. And you could run so many different schemes because you have Tanner Muse and you have Isaiah Simmons, and they can all be linebackers, safeties, half-field players, cover guys, range players. So the fact that you kind of clump them all together and then are we too high? Are we single high? Are we cover three? Are we all rolling down? It's crazy. It's really fun to watch. It is, yeah. But that doesn't project really well to the next level because it's so kind of unique mm. uh, for what they do. Uh, Tanner Muse, you mentioned. A.J. Terrell, the, uh, the other corner. They, you yeah, two guys I haven't done full studies yeah. on, but just flash every time I put on the yep. Clemson tape. And uh, Tanner Muse is a tough kid that I think can you know tackle – variety of ball carriers he'd stick his nose in and bring down 225 pound running backs and he's got the athleticism to wrangle slot receiver he's got the coverage skills and aj terrell is another kid i just keep seeing him make plays on the ball yep. it's a little bit frail frame but if you can run and find the ball down the field and it's not a problem you know uh dealing with receivers and press and things mm. like that you can be as small as you want. Yeah, I know uh, Daniel Jeremiah just mentioned uh, Terrell as a guy that's gotten a lot of buzz in scouting circles. Yeah, uh, a little bit podcasts. of a different mold than the uh, Mackenzie Alexander or mm. Cordrea Tankersley. He's much skinnier, much frailer, for lack of better words. The kid words. last year was kind of built that way, wasn't he? Um, what was the kid the corner from last year? Went to the Jets, I think. The Trayvon Mullen? Yes, good call. He went to the uh, the Raiders. Yes, he was correct. interesting as well because he was like six two and yeah, like one eighty or something kid. like that. Yeah, this yeah. kid's a little smaller. He's probably like five ten, one eighty. He All looks right. like yep. on paper, but he's got, got the foot speed, the ball skills, the long speed, the whole deal. Uh, just on a little bit of a different package than some of those other guys. Uh, so North Carolina offensively, I don't know who you like, who you've got spotlighted to me. I, I've studied their left tackle Charlie Heck uh, a, a couple weeks ago. I think it was after they could, I watched the South Carolina game and one other game. Left tackle first. This is a, he's a three-year starter. Big, strong kid, six seven, over three oh five. Um, uses his hands really well, and he's got a really good. It's almost like Ankrum to a certain extent, where it's not always pretty, it's not always sexy, but you, you know this guy like knows how to play the position. Not a shock because his dad is then a longtime NFL offensive line coach. He's the offensive line coach now Chiefs with now, the Chiefs. Right? Yep. Yeah, um, but you look at Charlie Heck. Uses his hands well. He's strong. He's not really powerful. He's not really explosive athletically. He's not like the fastest out of his stance. But you get the sense watching him like this guy knows how to play the position. Yeah, he's not a guy that I've studied, but he's on my radar right now and just seeing if uh, he can handle some of these Clemson defensive linemen. Xavier mm. Thomas looks like he's going to be a stud like a in show, a yeah. year or two. I can't wait to watch him. Uh, they have a kid, Pinkney, who's been playing behind Dexter Lawrence. Yep. 44. So, yeah, he's going to have some dudes to face this week. Um, all right, so away from that game, uh, my matchup to watch, uh, Texas Tech, Oklahoma. Mm. All right, I talked last week about Neville Gallimore, the yep. defense tackle for the for the Sooners. High upside kid. Go back. I did my whole scouting report on him uh, last week, so you can go and, and read and check that out. <clears throat> 
I'm going to go with the, this matchup, though. He's going up against Texas Tech, the offensive line. They've got a couple guys there that are draft-eligible prospects. I'm going to go with Jack Anderson, uh, oh, nice. player who was second-team All-Big 12 last year as a yeah, sophomore. Right guard out there? Yeah. Right guard. Uh, 6'5", 3'20". Very smart, aware player. You know, his, his eyes are always in the right place. Really has, like, like I've said with Heck and with Ankrum, he just you get the sense watching him that he knows what he's doing as a, in both pass protection and in the run game. Uses his hands well, um, but also very strong. He's very, very strong. So Gallimore's power going up against his anchor strength I think will be a really fun matchup to watch in this game. You don't necessarily think of trench play, I think, when you think of the Big 12, um, but in this matchup where there's going to be a lot of firepower on, bo- on both sides here. Uh, the matchup in the trenches, I think, will be interesting. I think for one of our preseason Big 12 previews, our sleeper was Jordan Brooks, Texas Tech linebacker, okay. absolute tackling machine. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's continued it this year. He's starting to get some buzz around some national scouting circles. And, and uh, Oklahoma's got the kid Kenneth Murray. Yeah, I think he's number one or 11 for Texas Tech. I know not not the biggest that's a, yeah. defensive player factory yes. out there in Texas Tech, but a kid that's uh, wrangling a lot of tackles out there. All right, Ben. Well, we will catch up with you next week. Excited to hear all about uh, what you see from this Clemson team that uh, is looking to repeat as national champs. Well, great stuff from Ben, and you can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. You know that he does outstanding work. He helps me every single week with my Eagle Eye in the Sky articles uh, that you see. If you follow me on Twitter, you see all those videos that get posted. They all go into the article. Ben does a great job uh, doing all the different drawings and things like that for all those different breakdowns. Uh, and then also with Eagles game plan. And if you're depending on when you're listening to this, you may be able to go and catch uh, Eagles game plan this week before the Eagles-Packers matchup on Thursday night football. If not, you can always catch that every week on PhiladelphiaEagles.com as well as on NBC10 locally here in the Philadelphia area. All right, let's get let's keep this show going with Draft Buzz with Tony Pauline. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Well, joining us once again here on Draft Buzz on the Journey to the Draft podcast, my friend Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network. Tony, welcome back to the show. Let's get things started. Uh, a big week of college football this past week. The games didn't necessarily all turn out to be uh, the slobber knockers that we were looking forward to. Uh, but overall, a lot of big news. What's the biggest news, though, coming out of the weekend for you? Is there a, a nugget that you want to kind of share with us from an NFL draft standpoint in our Through the Grapevine? Uh, well, nothing that's really huge. I think what's happening in uh, in Houston, which we'll talk about, is probably uh, t- tops it all, which which is kind of a strange story. Mm, yeah, well, that story is uh, was really a hot topic on Monday afternoon, and that's the quarterback, De'Ara King, uh, from the Houston Cougars, an underclassman. He's a junior, so not uh, a senior yet, but seems like he is going to uh, redshirt the rest of the season and, and keep his options open. Uh, what have you heard from that scenario or from that situation? I think it caught everybody by surprise. The same thing with the receiver, Corbin, who's saying he's yeah. going to take a redshirt uh, red uh, year. You know, I, I don't know if it's a, it's that they don't like Dana Holgerson or if they do like Dana Holgerson, if they're going to stay at Houston and, and, you know, let his offense mature a little bit and then step into, you know, a, a system that's in place next year if they're going to leave. It, it's just a completely strange situation. I will tell you this, though. These are not guys that are going to impact the NFL draft. I mean, mm. Corbin, the receiver, is a slow guy. He was given a uh, a marginal free agent grade. King, a lot of people graded him as a priority free agent. The scouts that did grade him, uh, there's some question as to whether or not he's going to stay at the quarterback position at the next level. Does he have the uh, the aptitude as a passer, or is he just a good athlete that's going to have to move, going to have to find a spot uh, elsewhere on the field? 
Well, let's go to a player that will impact uh, this NFL draft. And last week, you had big news about Tristan Wirfs, uh, the the talented underclassman offensive tackle for the Iowa Hawkeyes, that he would likely stay in school. So that got me thinking going into the weekend, you know, let me check in on one of the better tackle prospects in the senior class. And that's a player that we haven't really discussed in a while. That's Trey Adams, the left tackle from the University of Washington. He missed most of last season with a back injury, left the previous season early because of a torn ACL. So two big injuries costing him a lot of playing time over the last 18 months. What have you heard in terms of uh, his health right now, His dirt, you know, where he's at moving forward? I'll tell you what, I watched the game uh, with him against Cal. I know Washington lost the game. He looked pretty good, man. I mean, he had the power uh, to drive people backwards. His feet looked fine. I mean, he's a big kid. He's strong, uh, technically sound, very smart, aware player. Uh, but where, what are you hearing right now in terms of his durability and how teams are viewing that situation with him uh, moving through the rest of this fall? I'm, hold, I'm told that scouts that have seen him are very are happy with his play. They think yeah. he's playing pretty well. But the, the end result are going to be combined medicals because what I heard is it goes deeper than the two injuries mm. that you just mentioned. And there are a lot of other injuries that are not out there in the public that have been written about that are concerns that scouts know about. So he's playing well, but it's all going to come down to those combine medicals. The back that you mentioned, the knee that you mentioned, and other injuries that have not been out in the public that scouts are familiar with. Uh, that's that's difficult to hear. And obviously, uh, like I said, a very talented player. And those combine medicals uh, are big for everybody. Well, when you have uh, the resume that he's got from the medical rap sheet, that's uh, a little bit tough to overcome. We'll see uh, how that progresses here in the coming months. Well, let's talk about another player, Tony, um, that caught my eye. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, watching Alabama for the first time. And, you know, this is a guy I've studied years past. I remember watching this kid uh, when he was just a redshirt freshman. And this is Terrell Lewis, the pass rusher for the Crimson Tide. They don't really have a lot of guys that have, you know, if you look back to the guys that have come from Alabama off the edge, that really look like him and bend like him and have the ability to do things like this kid can do. Long, he's got some flexibility. Obviously, he's very well coached and uses his hands very well, and he's got the, uh, the ability to win in a number of different ways, but missed all of last season with a torn ACL that he tore in the summer of 2018. Came back this season where we had uh, you know really high hopes for him. Missed last week's game with a knee hyperextension uh, that he suffered in that game against South Carolina. How important is it going to be for him to, to prove that he can stay healthy? Because uh, a very talented pass rusher from the SEC is always going to get big looks. Yeah, especially from Alabama, yeah. uh, nonetheless. So, yeah, he's got to stay healthy. And again, you know, like Adams, the offensive tackle from Washington, a lot will be dictated by combine medicals because the combine medicals are very intense. They will pull on those joints. You know, whether it's the uh, the knee that he had surgically repaired, whether it's the knee that he just recently hyperextended, they're going to be uh, pulling on those joints to test the, the, the stability of those joints. Spit it mm-hmm. out there, Tony. The stability of those joints to make sure that they can hold up at the next level. Obviously, you know, if he if he's in and out of the lineup this year, it's really going to hurt him. Yeah. He's got no chance of, uh, you know, being a second-day pick, being a middle-round pick. If he's in and out of the lineup, he's going to be a last-day pick. But ultimately, those combine medicals, will dictate where he ends up in the draft. Is that kind of where you view his ceiling from based on what you heard right now? Is uh, early day two? Early day two is a bit early. Okay. I, I mean, I have him as a third, fourth rounder right Got now it. because of the injuries. 
Uh, could he hop into the uh, the the late part of second round? I think that's a that's a possibility mm -hmm. because of the, what you said. You know the way he plays. He is a natural edge rusher, especially standing up over tackle with more and more teams going to a three four. You know a guy like Stewart it would be a a hot property, a hot commodity come draft weekend. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the way that this kid plays the game. All right, uh, let me ask you now, off the action just from this weekend, who is a player that you would say uh, their stock is up moving forward through the rest of the college football season? Yeah, well, it's not just this weekend, but but it's his play this season as well as last season, and that's got to be Joe Bacci, Joe Bacci mm. of Michigan State, the linebacker. I mean, this is a guy who was a three-down player. Granted, Michigan State was playing against Northwestern that doesn't have an explosive offense, but go the week before. I mean, when they played Arizona State and they shut and he shut down Eno Benjamin. I think Eno Benjamin had under 38, uh, had under 40 yards mm. in that game. But you watch Bocce, and he's just a joy to watch. I mean, he's a tough, instinctive linebacker. He's a terrific run defender. Made a nice pick on a, a deflected ball in the Northwestern game. Placed smart, disciplined football. He's never out of position. The measurables will dictate as to whether or not he's a second-day pick or a early third-day pick. I think just his playing acumen and his understanding of the position, the way he approaches the game, and the fact that you can put him at multiple positions. You can put him on the inside. You can put him at middle linebacker. I think in certain schemes, you could even stick him on the outside. And like I said, he's a three-down player. He's not just a two-down run defender who plays downhill. He, he gets depth on his pass drops. He stays with his cover assignments. He's very good in zone coverage. He plays heads-up football. You know, a, a real throwback. Not a guy that's got great height, got great size, got, has got great speed, but someone that's constantly making positive plays around the ball. So I think Joe Bocci, keep an eye on him because not a lot of people are talking about him except those in the scouting, scouting world. Yeah, a player that we talked about a little bit earlier uh, with Ben after visiting out uh, to Chicago, to Evanston uh, for that game. All right, uh, let me go now to a, a smaller school. Who's a small school prospect uh, that you are excited to, uh, just excited about moving forward? And it's a player uh, at the linebacker position that I've also studied. Yeah, again, at the linebacker position, Dante Olsen yeah. of, of Montana. Uh, a lot like Bocce in the fact that he's a tough run defender. Uh, has had 43 tackles this year. Had In the past two weeks, had 14 tackles against Oregon. Last Saturday, had 13 tackles against Monmouth uh, College. A year ago as a junior, had a breakout season, 151 tackles mm. with 11 tackles for loss. I mean, he is your prototypical true Run stuffing inside middle line, in middle or inside linebacker, more of a two down player compared to uh, Bocce. When you compare him to Bocce, he may be a better pass rusher. He may be more forceful up the field because he's got better size. Mm. Uh, but a guy who I think is going to go, a prospect I think is going to go in the last day of the draft, probably if he runs well, you're talking in that uh, fifth, sixth round area. And I think in the right spot, he could start at the next level because of his ability really to take on ball carriers and bring them down to the point of attack and play smart, tough football. Yeah, Olsen's a, a fun player to watch. Like you said, very productive, always around the football. Studied him back in the summer uh, before the 2019 season got underway. And a, a very fun player to watch from the FCS level. All right, uh, let's get now to this weekend. Who's a, What's a, an individual matchup that you're most excited to watch from some of these big games? A lot of, a lot of interesting matchups here uh, coming this Friday and Saturday. You know, Chase Claypool had six receptions for 66 yards and one touchdown catch, which was a really nice one in that loss to Georgia. Uh, against uh, a Georgia secondary, that's okay. I mean, they're not great. They got good safeties. But I think this week uh, it's going to be a real big test for him against Bryce Hall of Virginia. And I think it's good. Vice versa, I think it's going to be a big test for Bryce Hall. I mean, most of the, both of these guys are graded anywhere, you know, in that third round area. 
They both have questions about their speed, yep. but they're both size well. They're both physical players. Claypool's a terrific athlete, the way he gets vertical uh, to grab the pass out of the air. Hall, you know, I want to see him do a good job making plays with, with his back to the ball. But really, this is strength against strength. These are two power football players who lack great football, who lack great foot speed, uh, but, but they both have good ball skills. So this is going to be a real good matchup to watch. Yeah, and for me, you know, I look back, look at this slate of games, and one matchup for me that I'm most excited to see, because I agree with you, I think that that Bryce Hall-Chase-Claypool matchup will be very fun. I do think that Bryce Hall probably has the edge uh, in that battle one-on-one. I would say that people are a little bit higher on Bryce Hall than I am, but overall, a really instinctive player, great ball skills. I like his size and his toughness, everything that he brings to the table from that standpoint. This should be a good matchup for him, because I, I, I look at Claypool as kind of the, the wide receiver equivalent. He does a lot of little things well. He's big, he's strong, but he's not an explosive athlete. He's not a guy that's just going to run by Bryce Hall. So uh, let's get to my matchup, and that's going to go out west. You know, you mentioned uh, Eno Benjamin a little bit earlier. We've talked about Cal. You talked about Evan Weaver a couple of weeks ago, who's really uh, been very productive this year in the middle of that Cal defense that's really shocked some people. They had a big win this past week uh, on the road against Ole Miss. They beat Washington a couple weeks ago. So this is a team that's gotten a lot of big wins and starting to stack them on top of each other. They're taking on Arizona State, and Eno Benjamin uh, hasn't been able to get rolling necessarily from a pure production standpoint, but I'll tell you, based off the film that I've studied previously, this kid's got all the tools to be a very effective NFL running back. I love his contact balance, his ability to make people miss. He's got some juice to be able to uh, bust long ones, but also the physicality to work between the tackles. So this would be a really interesting matchup. Evan Weaver, kind of a try-hard guy, a big uh, hulking middle linebacker that might be more of a defensive lineman at the end of the day. That's how he started his career uh, for the Bears. But uh, what do you think of that matchup uh, going into this week? Obviously a big one out west. Big challenge for Evan Weaver, who ha- who has had a sensational season. I mean, you mentioned that win over Old Miss. If you watch that game, Old Miss had it, uh, I believe it was fourth and goal. As the clock was running down, they had to get the ball in the end zone and then, and then make the two-point conversion. Never even got to the two-point conversion because Evan Weaver busted up the field and basically stopped the running back for a loss. And that's the way the guys played all year. He's had a sensational year. He's elevated his game. I think he's going to be a terrific inside linebacker, a middle linebacker. Eno Benjamin really presents a big challenge because people question uh, Weaver's long speed. People question his quickness. Eno Benjamin has all that. He's the guy who can turn the perimeter. He's the guy. He's the type of guy that can make defenders miss in the open field. He's the type of running back that could give Evan Weaver some fits because of his quickness, because yep. of his uh, uh, elusiveness. So this is a great challenge. Same thing for you know Benjamin's not known as a big-bodied ball carrier that's going to break a lot of tackles. Well, you know he can prove otherwise against Evan Weaver, who is a really a, a, a socky in the mouth, knock you out type of linebacker, as we've seen all season. So really, this is you got. Questions about Weaver that can be answered in this in this contest and questions about Benjamin that can be answered against this contest if and when they meet head to head. Really, I, I think it's an outstanding matchup. Yeah, and obviously that Cal defense is more than just Evan Weaver. You know, Justin Wilcox has done a great job of putting that unit together. You've got Ashton Davis on the back end at safety. Uh, Really, you've got a a bunch of guys that are draft-eligible and draft-worthy prospects uh, on the back end of that defense. But uh, a very interesting group. That's going to be an interesting one-on-one matchup. All right, Tony, uh, let's wrap this up with our mock draft roundup. Uh, This week, we're going to go over to Bleacher Report, where they've got the Eagles selecting 17th overall uh, and taking Colorado wide receiver LaVisca Chenault. Uh, Tony, how do you like that value? Is there any way that you kind of see Chenault 
falling to this point in the draft? Or do you think, you know, because I would say in the summer, no one had him falling into the late teens. And he hasn't had a lot of production this right. year. And I think that's probably because Steven Montez is actually using all of his targets. I don't mm. think Chenault has played poorly. I just think that teams are double teaming Chenault. And that's opening up opportunities for other receivers. And Steven Montez is going ahead and, and, and spreading the ball around as he should. I, I, will Chenault fall to uh, 17? Maybe if he runs a 4-5-5, but he's not expected to run a 4-5-5. He's expected to run the 4-4s. I I think it's great value. You know what? Listen, how many of us thought that Andre Dillard was going to fall as he did last year and Howie Roseman made that move and they got their left tackle uh, of the future? So if he starts to fall, if he happens to fall in the Eagles' lap, I think it's a great pick for them. It would add some... Uh, some more speed and some needed youth at the receiver position. I mean, if he starts to fall, as we saw with Andre Dillard uh, last year, the Eagles front brass is not shy about moving up to get a guy that they want. Not that we know that, you know, Chenault is the guy that we want, uh, that they want. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure they don't even it's know. very early, Chenault, yes, exactly. Uh, you know, is going to be in the draft. But uh, I, I think it would be a great fit if it if it ever happened. Do you kind of view Chenault as a, as a blue chip player in this upcoming class, if he were to declare? I mean, I like his size. There are a lot of things about his game that people uh, don't don't see that I like. He plays hard even when he's away from the ball, even if he's not active in the play. I like the fact that on running downs, he comes firing off the snap as though he was uh, it was going to be a pass play. Uh, There are a lot of things I like about his game. You know, the production this year. What I've seen on TV, it looks like they're doubling him and he's not getting uh, as open because of the great season he had a year ago. Uh, when, I, when, you know, when I do the All-22 film, uh, we'll look a little bit deeper to see what's going on. But, yeah, I, I think right now, you know, with, after Jerry Judy, he's going to be uh, near the head of that the receiver class. Well, Tony, uh, looking forward to next week for our Draft Bus segment. Once again, thank you for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. My pleasure, Brand. Well, great stuff from Tony. You can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Tony Pauline. And for really all things NFL draft, and he is a great person to follow. He's with the Pro Football Network now. I know they're doing a lot of really cool things. Uh, they've got that college football blog every Saturday, which is a lot of cool stuff. But uh, Tony does a great job on this podcast. And if you you know don't already, go subscribe, by the way, to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Uh, that is myself, Greg Cosell. We're talking X's and O's. Yeah, Eagles focused during the season, but heavy X's and O's talk. I know I've, I've talked with fans uh, from across the NFL each and every week, and they all say that even though they're not fans of the Eagles, they subscribe and listen to that show because they pick up little nuggets from around the NFL and just about the game of football in general. So make sure you go subscribe to that show, listen each and every week. All right, let's get to now to our last segment of the show, Saturday Scouting on Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting Report. All right, well, let's get into it. My notes, literally, like, my notes on Brandon Ayuk, the senior receiver from Arizona State. This is a good-looking kid. He's only 5'11", but he's over 200 pounds. He's got a pretty good frame on him. He was on the Senior Bowl watch list. I didn't know too much about him coming into the year. Obviously, Nikhil Harry was the big weapon uh, in that passing game a year ago. I knew all about Eno Benjamin, the junior running back for the Sun Devils. Didn't know much about Ayuk. I knew that he was known as kind of a speedster, and he had some big play potential. Uh, junior college transfer was at uh, Sierra College up through the 27th. 
2017 season. So last year was his first year at big-time college football, was mostly a backup there for Arizona State, now in the starting lineup and is making a lot of big plays for Herm Edwards' offense there in the desert. Let's get into my notes here. And a lot of buzz, by the way, generated by Jim Nagy, the, uh, the, the director, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's been fluffing them up a lot on Twitter, and that's what really caught, you know, brought me to watch this kid because it uh, wasn't really too much on my radar outside of just hearing him in the peripheral uh, up to this point. But I watched him a couple weeks ago, was really blown away by what I saw. One-year starter for Rob Likens out there, shotgun spread offense, lined up mostly at X, also got a lot of reps in the slot as well. And I mentioned thick, muscular frame. He's got pythons for arms. The kid looks really, really good uh, just on film. Excited to see him up close and personal this offseason. Explosive kid. He can get to top gear quickly, but he's more than just a speed guy. He can get in and out really quickly, very effective with his change of direction. And I, again, going back to that speed, he can get on, up on top of corners very quickly when they're off the line. Defeats press corners with his feet, and he can win early in the down. He can get the upfield shoulder and stack DBs very quickly quickly. And I think he does a really good job as a route runner for just holding that vertical stem, getting really close, getting hip to hip with the corner, and then just putting his foot in the ground and separating. He's got that suddenness to be able to get some space there from the corner. He's got some savvy to him as a route runner. I do think that there's a lot of upside there, a little bit of untapped potential as a route runner, but the potential is very, very high. I really liked what I saw there and in the flashes. Seems to have a plan of attack against defensive backs out in space. He sells double moves very well. He's got some experience working over the middle of the field. He's not afraid of contact with the ball in his hands. And he flashed impressive ability to track the ball over his shoulder down the field. He didn't have any drops in the games that I watched from this season. Um, and, and, you know, it was against lower competition. They hadn't yet played some of their bigger opponents yet, but just really flashed with what he was able to do in all areas of the field. Just great after the catch. That was one of the best traits about this kid. Sticks his foot in the ground, he goes. He's got vision to open uh, in the open field to go along with his speed and his physicality with the ball in his hands. He'll hurdle defenders in the open field. He can be a weapon after the catch. He's got potential to line up everywhere on offense. I mean, uh, even in the backfield, I can see teams getting creative and doing a lot of different things with him. He's a great return man as well. Dynamic qualities on special teams. He's a little bit inconsistent as a blocker, but it's not from a physical standpoint. He will get after DBs uh, and shows the willingness there. I think he's just got some, some MAs, you know, some missed assignments uh, from that standpoint. You can get those cleaned up. He shows the willingness as a blocker, and for me, that also shows he's got some potential as a special teams player as well, not just as a returner, but as a coverage player uh, as well. So a lot of upside there with his versatility. From a negative standpoint, i just like to see him clean up some things from a technical standpoint. He's not great with his hands right now at the line of scrimmage. He can get a little bit better as a route runner. I mentioned some untapped potential in that area. He's not going to be a contested catch, jump ball type guy at the catch point. A lot of his targets so far came in the screen game. I want to see a little bit more of an expanded role as I continue to watch more and more film of him. But, you know, overall, this was my kind of my final note on this kid. At worst, this kid is a do-everything backup wide receiver and return specialist. Think of like a Cordaro Patterson. I kind of look at him in a similar light right now as kind of his floor. I think he can be a jack-of-all-trades, Swiss Army knife wide receiver who can do some different things for you from a gadget and special team standpoint. But I think he's got starting potential. He's going to get his chance because of his tools. He's explosive, physical kid, high upside as a route runner, downfield threat, could be a better pro than a college player for sure. Impressive athlete who's great with the ball in his hands. He's kind of built like a Sammy Watkins. I mentioned Cordaro Patterson. There have been a lot of guys. Debo Samuel last year. Those guys that are wide receivers with running back builds and skill sets. That's kind of how the, what this kid reminds me of. So a very, very impressive player. Again, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. All right. This is normally where we would do our draft mailback, but for the first time and as long as I can remember – 
The queue right now on our Apple podcast page is empty. There are no questions right now on that feed. So if you want your question answered on next week's show, go on Apple Podcasts. You can go on to Stitcher as well. Leave a question. If you want to throw us a rating, that'd be great Well, as well. You know, help, help throw some support towards the podcast. But if you really want to help us out and also get your question answered, go on, leave a comment, leave a question, and we'll get it answered here on the show in our draft mailbag. But again, since we had none in the queue, we're going to skip it this week. Uh, we will see you next week here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. A lot of fun this week, a lot of fun matchups. Really excited to dig into some of the big ones. We didn't even talk about Ohio State and Nebraska. That's where college game day will be this Saturday. A lot of fun here with college football. Almost midseason already, like I said with Ben earlier. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see you next week here on the Journey to the Draft podcast.